absence of our um, bishop, who is um, uh, and our lady, our lady Carolyn, and part of our first family are in uh, China, and they will be back very soon in just a few days. You can take your seats. Um, I want to just recognize our visitors this morning. How many of you are, is anyone first-time visitor this morning? Yes. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? Here's somebody over here. Thank you, Lord. Would you just remain standing? Our, our visitors remain standing. We want to personally extend uh, our thanksgiving to you for coming out this morning. Thank you so much. Who invited you? Oh, Pastor T, yes. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And who invited you? Nicole, yes, she's on it. Amen, welcome. And who invited you? Anita, good job. Thank you so much for coming uh, on behalf of Bishop Flynn Johnson and Lady Carolyn Johnson. Um, you have to come back because they'll be here next week and you'll get to meet them personally. Thank you so much for sharing with us this morning. We know that you will be blessed and you have already sensed the presence of God in our midst. Thank you. And now welcome Elder Yule Crawford as he brings the word of the Lord this morning. Amen. Amen. She did such a great job this morning in the class. If someone can help her, thank you. Thank you. I never forget one time I went down those steps and um, I did not see one. <laughs> and you all probably know what happened then and uh, ended up getting up quickly. Well, anyway, Bishop, yes. <laughs> it's making me think about the Sunday also um, when we were at the other church and um, we were standing up and I think Ella Davis said jump and everybody was jumping and then some kind of way I did my legs like this and my legs got caught under the chair <laughs> I had no other way I had no other way but that <laughs> and um, got up immediately as though uh, nothing happened praise God well I bring you greetings from Bishop Johnson, Lady Carolyn. They will be back this week. Amen. Amen. And they're so thankful that you allowed them to take some time to have a vacation. Um, I know they've been in China, Bali, Indonesia. I believe they're also, they went to Hong Kong. They've just, just been a great time for Bishop Johnson, Lady Carolyn, and Pastor Tiffany and Matthew, his wife and daughter. And so uh, Matthew um, gifted them this trip and um, this time of vacation, and they're having a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful time. Amen? Amen. I just want to ask that you continue to pray for them. Safe arrival back here in Atlanta. Now, I have, a, I have two jokes for you. How many of you have seen some of my jokes? Uh-oh. Uh All right. Okay. Okay, I'm going to try. A Sunday school teacher asked the children just before she dismissed them to go to church. And why is it necessary, the children asked, why is it necessary to be quiet in church? Little Johnny replied, 
because the people are sleeping. Okay. Okay, a little girl was talking to her teacher about whales and how she had heard in Sunday school about how a whale had swallowed Jonah. The teacher said, it's physically impossible for a whale to swallow a human because even though it's, very lar- it's a very large mammal, its throat is very small. The little girl remained steadfast in her position and reiterated that indeed a whale had swallowed Jonah. Irritated, the teacher again stated that a whale could not swallow a human. It was physically impossible. The little girl said, I'm not sure how it happened, but when I get to heaven, I will ask Jonah. The teacher replied smugly, What if Jonah isn't in heaven? The little girl replied, then you can ask him. (laughs) 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 So anyway, praise God, I thought I'd open up with a I, I love I love humor. That's my pastime favorite. Uh, my some of my my favorite television programs are are science fiction movies, uh, futuristic movies, and good wholesome comedy. Amen. I, I don't like bugger comedy, but I just like good good wholesome comedy. Amen. And so, um, but today, I really praise the Lord for that wonderful wonderful offering. Um, message from Mrs. Toya Johnson and her husband is stand, sitting there right next to her. Amen. Praise the Lord. Pastor Christopher Johnson who leads our worship team. Today we're, we're going to talk about um, the principle of first things. But I, I did some research and I'm a researcher by heart. Um, um that's my entire makeup. I'm a, I'm a, a lifelong student. Oh, thank you. I'm a lifelong student. I, I love learning. Um, and so um, that's something that God has placed inside of me. I don't apologize for it. That's just a, my makeup. Um, I love discovering things. I love discovering how things are made, how they function. Um, and so I, I, I just, you know, I've just done some research and I wanted to say something, man. I did some research about billionaires who tithe and give. Now, what was shocking to me, amen, and, I, 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 we, and we could talk about this for a while, but I'm not. Kim Kardashian says she tithes a tenth of her income. If, um, you can find the source of this NBC 7 San Diego San Diego I just want to give the source because I'm, I just want to make sure you understand I'm not just saying but she says that is something she does and she attributes her success uh, to her giving 
Warren Buffett, who's one of the richest men, one of the richest men in the world, he gave in one year, he gave $3.85 billion. That same year, he, he made about $44 billion. But he attributes, again, the, 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 the expansion of his wealth to his giving. Bill Gates, everybody talks about him in terms of being the world richest man. Um, he gave, I believe in 2015, and uh, he gave $28 billion away in terms of giving to organizations that, really, that eradicates poverty. And yet that same year, he made $79 billion. There's a correlation between tithing, bringing offerings unto the Lord. Um, upon my research, one of the things I, I found out, um, an American social scientist, the president of the American Enterprise Institute, Arthur C. Brooks, he tried to find a correlation between giving and wealth to successfully, successfully prove that giving doesn't just increase because wealth increased, but that giving actually increased wealth. Author analyzed data from the Social Capital Community Benchmark Survey, which is a survey of about 30,000 people in over 40 communities in the U.S. that takes into account differences in education, age, race, religion, as well as other personal characteristics. And he found out that the, this particular organization, the SCCBS, revealed that people who give charitably make a lot more money than those who don't. Using data from this organization, the author also found out that regardless of income, there is an increase in wealth for people who give more. His analysis revealed that a family that gave away 100 more dollars than another family in the same income bracket will predictably earn on average three, 375 more as a result of its generosity per $100 they give. Data from the statistical and uh, abstract of the United States also revealed that in 2004, $100 in extra income per American drove $1.47 in extra charitable giving, while $100 in giving resulted in an increase of more than $1,800 in the GDP. Basically, what they have established from a from statistical analysis from people who don't walk with God that when you give it increases wealth there's a gentleman by the name of Sir John Templeton he said I've observed the hundred thousand families over my years of investment consult counseling and I also saw greater prosperity and happiness among those families who tithe than among those who didn't. Uh, the gentleman by the name of David Green, the founder of Hobby Lobby. How many of you know about Hobby Lobby? He, he, he man. See, I, I, I'm, I'm giving this because I really do believe that God wants us as a, as a congregation to embrace this. David Green, the founder of Hobby Lobby, credits his extraordinary business success by applying the biblical scriptures into his business ethics. 
Starting from humble beginnings, he started selling photo frames. And with the help of his wife, he, he managed to build the world largest retail arts and crafts store in America with revenues of $3.3 billion in 2013. In a video, David Green explains how obeying the principles of the Bible will guarantee success from paying tithes, being diligent, and propagating the gospel. He said it's, it's essential that you must cultivate a phenomenal work ethic for God to bless your work. Then the Lord will open for you his good treasure, the heavens to give rain to your land in its season to bless all the works of your hands. So shall you lend to many nations. Man, powerful, 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 powerful. Uh, where's that lady that came up? I also need a bottle of water. Where's that lady that came up? Um, um, yes, if you could just stand. I'm not going to have you come up. I just want you to stand. Um, when they were praying, praying for you, I, the, the word I heard the Lord say that there have been times where you have looked upon your situation as a no win, no no way out situation. But the Lord says that he's about to open your mind to, for endless possibilities. And as you begin to, to apply what he shows and reveals you, you're gonna begin to see what you lost. You're gonna, you're, you're gonna more than recover in this upcoming season. The Lord says that he looks upon your obedience and your giving shall become as a memorial unto him. The Lord is reestablishing you in this season. It seems like you've just been moved here and there, here and there, but God says he's gonna cause your roots to go down and you're gonna be firmly established and not only established, but you're gonna be fruitful. You're gonna be fruitful and the Lord is gonna bless the works of your hands. Amen, come on, give the Lord praise this morning, amen. Hallelujah. And so, let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you, Lord, for speaking to us. We thank you, Lord, for the apostolic work Bishop Johnson is, has established and is establishing in this house regarding the principles of first things. Father, Lord, you have worked this into our DNA, and we thank you, Lord, that we are going to see the fruits of this in this season as we apply your word in Jesus' name, amen. I, I, I wanted to say something, I, I wanted to say something about the power of tithe before we say something about the principle of first things. I, I, I just wanted to say that one of the things that tithing does is that it rebukes the devourer. And I know some of you sitting here say, man, why are they talking about money? The Bible makes a statement in the book of Ecclesiastes that money answers all things. I was dealing with a situation with a family and, and, and the, the thought came to my mind that in this particular situation, the way it can be helped is just with money. And I believe that many of us, uh, the Lord has blessed the works of our hands. But many of us, as we look back at our parents, as we look back at our sisters and brothers, 
we, we can look at some of our, our, our family members and we can see that cycle of poverty that God wants to break. And I believe that in this upcoming season, God is going to show us how to break, not just the cycle of poverty over our lives, because I believe for those of you who, who have been walking here at Metro, God has broken that thing, but now the Lord wants to reach back and retrieve our, our sisters and our brothers, our moms and uncles out of that cycle of poverty. Amen. If you believe that, give the Lord praise. Amen. And so one of the things that we begin to understand that tithing, it rebukes the devourer. Tithing, man, what, what really got me, because, you know, a lot of people say, well, tithing is of the Old Testament, tithing is of the law, and et cetera. And so it, it, the Bible says in Matthew 23, 23, uh, Jesus, he emphasized mercy and justice in the face of the law. But he says, not without practicing tithing. Matthew 23, 23. The tithe is God's property. God owns it. The tithe is an indicator of your heart, which is the seat of our worship, worshiping of the Lord. But I wanted, last time I was up here, I gave two things happens when you tithe. One, global favor and open doors. And the Bible states in Malachi, third chapter, the same chapter where it talks about tithes opening, tithes and offerings opening the heavens. It says in Malachi 3, 12, it says, and all nations will call you blessed for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord. All nations will call you blessed. He's speaking of divine favor. Then he turns around and, and, and another thing that happens when we bring the tithe and offering before the Lord, there is a special remembrance before God. He says, then those who, and this is found in Malachi 3.16, then those who fear the Lord spoke to one another and the Lord, the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord, who meditate upon his name. And, and, and sometimes when you read in the scriptures and it says, and God remembered. And God remembered. And, and literally, God cannot forget, but the, it's given a picture that, that there's some things that he said he was going to do. And, and, and he looks at the memorial that has been built by our prayer, by our fasting, and also by giving. And then God remembered, and then he opened so-and-so's womb. And I believe that we're living in a time where God wants to, we're living in a season where God desires to open the book of remembrance over our lives. I believe th this is really important because um, I, I want to speak prophetically that, that, that in, when, I, when we talk about a season, I really do believe this year is important for many of us in this room because this is a season that God wants us to operate at a higher level, that he wants us to step up into a higher level. Say, God is causing me to step up into a higher level of living. Amen. Amen. And I believe there's a window open, opening because of some things that, that are going to take place. I believe God is giving us windows of opportunity so that we can prepare for the lean times and not prepare by hoarding. We prepare, the reason why the Lord will have us prepare for lean times is because he wants us to be able to take advantage of the opportunities that become available during the lean times. Come on, saints. You got to hear this. You got to hear it. Because the Lord is desiring to bless his people. Amen. 
Amen. So Bishop Johnson has been laboring, laboring over the years. He has a book called The Principle of First Things. You can purchase it on Amazon, Kindle, and you can read it. And I've been in and in in this book. It's rich with revelation regarding the principle of first things. You hear us talk about the principle of first fruits. And as we said before, the book of Genesis is, is actually, the word Genesis actually, actually has the connotations of seed. And so you will find that every doctrine in the Bible has a point of origination in the book of Genesis. Every important doctrine in the scripture. The redemption of Jesus Christ is foretold in the book of Genesis. The coming of Christ when it, in, in Genesis 3.15, and it talks about how God will, how a seed will rise and, and, put, and put enmity. The seed, the Bible says the seed will grow, wide, grow mighty, and the seed, the, the enemy will bruise his what? Heal, but he will crush his head. And he's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. He talked about it, Genesis 3, 15. So inside of the book of Genesis, we see the, the working of this principle of first things, and we see it established in the life of Cain. When Cain, when the Lord, when they didn't even know anything about tithing. They just understood that the first belonged to God. And so what Abel did, because when you really worship God, that comes to you naturally that I should give the first to God. And so Abel gave a quality first offering to the Lord. Cain gave an offering. It wasn't because he gave, you know, some, some theologians say, well, because uh, Abel shed blood and, and, and that was why his offering was accepted. No, 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 no. The reason why it was accepted was because it was the first of his produce. It was the best he had. And Abel and Cain gave any, any kind of thing and, and the Lord was not pleased with it. Abel brought the what? First, the first and the best. The, thus establishing the principle of first things. And so when we look at Abraham and Isaac, we see this principle of first things. God spoke to Abraham that he was going to give him a seed that would bless all the families on earth. And then God, and then God gives him the son, and then God asks for the son. And, and he, he said, I, I want the first. And so while Abraham was offering Isaac before the Lord, the angel spoke and said, don't touch that child. Don't touch him. He says, I know now that you will obey me. I know now that you fear me. And because of this, man, I thought about this thing. Blessing, I will bless you. I will make you a blessing. Man, have you ever pondered the profundity of that? That God will make you a blessing? That from your, I mean, you will become a blesser. You will become a blesser, not just one receiving blessing, but one that gives blessing. Come on, saints. And so he gave, and, and, and then the Lord spoke, and Isaac now, who was a representation of giving God the first. And then we, we turn around and we see in the book of Ezekiel, he talks about, he talks about the principle of first things in terms of giving the firstborn, the first of your crops, the first of your beasts. He speaks of that in Exodus 1, 1 3. Yeah, one, yeah. Let me, let me put these glasses on. He speaks of that in Exodus, I said 1, 3. 
Amen. That's like saying two Corinthians. Amen. But, um, but uh, Exodus 13, 11 through 16. And then we see the principle first things established again with Hannah. When, when, when Hannah, he, she prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, and now she gets the child, and then she, she now, and in her praying, she says, God, and, and you give me this child, I will give him to you. I will, I, I'm going to take the first and give it to you. I will take, to, take him to the priest, and he will belong to you. And she did that, and God blessed her with, I believe, five other children. Come on, saints. The principle of what? First things. Then we look, at the, we look at Jericho. Jericho was the first city that Joshua conquered. And so Jericho uh, and, and, and Joshua gave Jericho to God. Jericho was not the tithe. A lot of people say, well, Jericho was the tithe. Jericho was not the tithe because if Jericho was the, the one city was a tithe, then it would have mean that Joshua only conquered 10 cities. Come on, say. But when we look in the scriptures, we see that Joshua conquered 33, 34 cities. Jericho, it represented the first. He gave God the first, which projected into the future that he would receive the 33, the 34 cities. Come on, saints. Then we talked about last week in Proverbs 3, 9, we, the third chapter, the ninth verse, about Solomon and Solomon talked about giving God what the first fruits and that God will do what he will cause oil and he will bless your vats he will fill your storehouses and we saw that exemplified in the life of Solomon and then man I saw something in the book of Nehemiah 12 44 and it states that you know Nehemiah basically that book Nehemiah the book of Ezra those books Daniel, you remember when Daniel, when Daniel came under the scene, Daniel was the key that, that, that brought Israel out of the 70 years of Babylonian captivity. Nehemiah received the commandment from the Lord to build a wall and to begin to raise up the city, the city of God. And so Nehemiah did that. And once the city was established, then Nehemiah instituted first fruits, tithes, and offerings. And so it says in Nehemiah 12, 44, on that day, on that day, men were appointed over the chambers for the stores, the contributions, the first fruits, and the tithes. So the scriptures makes a differentiation between them. And then we see the principle of first things in Matthew, the sixth chapter, the 36th verse, when it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his what? Righteousness. And then what happens if you put him first, if you have a heart of, of first things, a heart that, that, that believes in the principle of first things, giving God the first, and then the Bible says, and all these other things shall be what? Added to you. And, the way, and that word added actually means that all these other things shall be what? Attracted to you. It, it will follow you. But first of all, we must seek first his what? Kingdom. Thus, we practice the principle of first things. And then we see in the scriptures, uh, in 1 Corinthians, man, the 15th chapter, it taught, man, I was trying, man, this blew my mind. I, I, one of the reasons I ended up staying up last night because basically the, um, Jesus was raised up on the day of first fruits. His resurrection occurred on the day of first fruits, and they would celebrate. Now, get this. 
Easter was formerly called First Fruits Sunday. It was called the Day of First Fruits. The, and so that was one of the reasons. And so the emperor, Constantine, he came along, he was trying to homogenize all the religions, put them under the, under the banner of Christianity, thus establishing legalism and et cetera, et cetera. And so what happened when he did that, he says, okay, we're going to do away with first, call, the first fruit Sunday or the day of first fruits, and we're going to call it Easter. It was formerly called first fruits. Come on. And the reason why it was called first fruits, because first Corinthians, the 15th chapter, the 20th through the 23rd verse, basically it taught, man, I'm, I'm going to read the scripture because I don't want to butcher it. It says, um, I didn't write it out. I'm sorry. Praise God. But if you look at that scripture, first Corinthians 20 through 23, it talks about Jesus Christ. So when Jesus was raised from the dead, it says that Jesus was the first fruits. He was the first begotten of the dead. And really what the scriptures is actually saying, Jesus was raised as the first fruits, guaranteeing in the future the many sons, which you and I are. It was the significance of him being the first fruits. It was God. Now, you had to get this. God the Father offered his son as a first fruits. God the Father offered him as first fruits. God himself is a practitioner of first fruits. He offered his son, raised him from the dead. Lord, have mercy. And now there is a man sitting on the throne. He's so, he completely identified with us. We're here today because of Jesus being God's first fruit. Guaranteeing many sons. We're talking about the principle of first things. Come on, saints. First fruits is a hard thing. First fruits is, we're seeking as the father raised his son as the first fruits. The father is asking us to practice the principle of first things. Oh, man. So some of us in here, you know, when you made your first fruit declaration, some of you did. Some of you just came up with a number and threw it down there. But was it what God really wanted you to put down there? What, does it really represent your worship? Does it really represent your first? Come on, saints. Is it a Cain-like offering, or is it a Abel? first things. Abel gave his first, his best, his first, his best. Cain just, hey, they practicing first fruits? Hey, hey, here it is. God looks at the heart. I'm, I, so anyway, now, 
we've been talking about this thing regarding the outcome of tithe and giving. This is important because I'm a firm believer that if we, we practice the word of God, this is how Bishop Johnson has taught us. I'm a firm believer that God watches over his word to perform it, that his word cannot return to him void. It will accomplish the assignment that the father has given it. It will not return to him void. Now, there is an ingredient that, that has to be, that, to, that must be mixed with it. And sometimes we don't receive because we do not actively mix faith with what we're doing. We have to mix faith. Oh, man. So when we bring our tithe, our tithe represents God blessing our present needs. The first fruits projects into the future, but now it's just not us giving an offering, but now we must exercise what? Faith. Come on, saints, saints, come on. Faith. The Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. God grows you and I up by faith. That's why some of you in this room, you're having a wrestling match because you know what we're saying is right. And the Holy Spirit has been dealing with you in this area of giving. And when you look at your life, your life bears witness to barrenness. Because you have dreams in your heart of things being better, but you have not been able to cross over into better. Come on, saints. It's a wrestling match. God grows us up by faith. There's not a time that God will not require us to walk by faith. Faith is the currency of the kingdom of God. Faith is not everything, but it permeates everything in the Lord. Because faith is the means by which you and I procure what Father has for us in the unseen realm. I'm going to tell you something, man, and the, and the secret of walking in faith, one of the secrets is that the Bible says man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from God. So what happens when you have a morning devotion? When you have a morning devotion, and your morning devotion is the time that you and I receive a proceeding word from God. Because every time God speaks, it activates faith inside of us. Come on, saints. He, he, he cannot speak and it does not change you. And that is why when we have a devotion, we should read until we hear from him a specific word for you, tailor-made for you. And this is why the enemy wars in this area. Because rhema is God's word spoken with his mouth, which produces the results. The word that does not return to him void is the word of faith that God bursts in us. God has planted faith in our hearts regarding the outcome of first fruits. Man, I was reading this thing and it just messed with my mind because the sword of the spirit, the Bible says, is the word of God. 
So really, realistically, but the, that sh the scripture that's used there is rhema. It's actually saying the sword of the Holy Ghost is rhema. It's that specific word you receive from God, from the word of God. Rhema comes into your heart even in the message, in the sermon. God will confirm what he spoke to you during the week. Come on. He will feed what he has planted in you. Come on. But I believe what happens, and see, when faith grows in us, see, prayer nurtures, prayer nurtures faith. Receiving the word of God waters faith. And when we receive it, then we must speak it. And, and some of us, we, we, we never speak it. Crystal, you got to say it. You got to speak it. We're in a season now where God is saying, I need my church to declare my word because all of creation is voice activated. He created everything by the word. And so we project change by speaking the word because all the seen realm is voice activated. We have to we have to speak it. That's all I can say. We have to speak it. Some of us, we pray, but we never speak it. You, you see, the outcome of faith, you know it's done. You begin to walk around the house. My child shall get in that school. My child shall get in the school. Now you take the sword of the spirit and says, and, and, and the specific word God gave you. Maybe the word God gave you is that all things are possible. Father, you spoke to me and said all things are possible for my child. Lord, I'm declaring now, uh, I'm declaring now a scholarship, a scholarship. You spoke it, you spoke it. I'm speaking it into being. You can't walk in faith if you don't speak it. In fact, in Mark 11, he says, you will have what you say. So whatever you've been saying, you've been having. And if you, like what, if you don't like what you have, then you have to change what you've been saying. We're in a season now where we have to watch what comes out of our mouth. We, we, you, you, we have to watch what comes out of your mouth. You got to watch what you say over your children. You got to watch what you say about your job. You got to watch what you say about your money. You got to watch what you say about your husband and your wife. You got to watch what comes out of your mouth because the husband, the wife you have, is the product of what's coming out of your mouth. And what the enemy, what he tries to do, he wants us to get mad. 
So he gets you angry enough so you speak out of anger. And now, because you sit in heavenly places, you become an instrument of the devil to, to plant hell in your life by your words. Man, I, I, Jane, I, I mean, I, I, I have, I've had, I praise God, I'm going to say it this way, I had a fiery temper. Oh man, oh it was crazy, man. I, man, I used to look for folks to, to fight. I mean, when, when you get angry, oh, oh, it was bad. It was bad. It was bad. Have a bad day at home, and I would just go to school and, and collect money. You can't walk through this hall. The only way you can go to the restroom, you gotta pay me. Come on, and uh, oh man, God. And then when I got married, when I when I got married. That, it, that temp, but I'm going to tell you something. One of the things I, I will say, I've never called my wife. I've never called her a B word. I've never, I've, I've never called her out of a name. I've never called her a liar. I've never, I've, I've never said that. Because there's an understanding. What you declare, what you label in your, in your position of authority, you, you, you commission heaven or hell to move on your behalf. And there's no difference between you and a witch when, when the devil can use you when you're sitting in heavenly places and you're using your mouth to spew negative. Anyway, let me go from that because that's not my job. And this is the word of the Lord. I'm going to give you right here. Faith without works is dead. That's in James, the second chapter. This is the word that God gave me. I want you to, I want you to hear this. A person can only receive from God in direct correlation to their capacity to receive from God. God's supply may be limitless, but your capacity may have a cap on what you can receive. Lord, have mercy. It's just like if I had a bigger bottle here and God wanted to give you what was in this bottle, but you only have this, guess what? He can, he, his desire is to give you a whole quart. But this is you. This represents sometimes that the hindrance is our capacity. So we're, we're asking the Lord, Lord, why, why, why hasn't this happened? And the reason is, is it's the capacity. Man, I have a business and, and the Lord spoke to me. He said, so you've been running the business to pay your bills, but you have not ran the business and, and, and you have not seen a future. You only see the present. So you've been operating from this capacity when I want to give you this capacity. This capacity is seeing it from what it can be. Lord, I know you don't hear me. Whatever good you receive by default gravitates from us if you don't build the required capacity to handle it. 
God is, God is waiting on you and I to create capacity because creating capacity is our personal responsibility and the outcome of the supply of the wisdom of God. So say, for instance, you're, you're giving, you're giving, you're, you're tithing, you're, you're bringing your offering, and the Lord, the Lord says, I want, you to, I want you to go for this position. I want you to train for this position. But your self-esteem says, I, I, I can never get this position. You know, I can never get this position. So you, you, the, the Lord is, he, he, he's wanting to what? He's wanting to watch over his word to what? Perform it. So the Holy Spirit began to speak. Yeah, why don't you go for this position? Why don't you go? He may even get you fired. Why don't you go at that position? Why don't you, why don't you go there? Because that's, that's where you belong. But if you can't see yourself there, there lies your what? Capacity. It's just like, you believe in God for a job that pays $75 an hour, but the position you're in can only pay you $15 an hour. He can't squeeze it into that. So something has to what? Change. <laughs> oh, man. I believe this is what the Holy Spirit is saying. I, I, I want your capacity. Next Sunday is a Sunday where we've been doing the prayer of three. We've been praying. We've been praying. We started the year off in fasting. And, 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 and so we're going to invite all of our friends. We're going to invite all of our friends and all the people that we've been praying for. Come on, saints. But, I, but our, so when they come, our capacity will determine the fruit from that labor because the capacity has to do with our discipleship, with our follow-up, with the mechanisms that's in place to work on a wider scale than 10 people. Y'all don't hear it. Do y'all hear it? God told Israel, make your tent bigger, open your door wide. Don't think small, make your tent large, strong, because you will grow in all directions. That's the word of the Lord. Don't think small, don't think small, don't think small. Come on, look at the person next to you, don't think small. Don't think small. Because I'm, I'm, I'm saying right here, you gotta got think about this. This right here, this right here is, is a determiner of your capacity, what you can conceive. And, and many of us, we think small because we failed yesterday. But failure is not the determiner of your capacity. When you look at the parable of the talents, man, when you look at the parable of the talents, he, he wasn't talking about gifts. He was talking about money. Gave one man one, gave one man two, gave one man five. The one with two grew it to five. The one man who had five grew it to ten. Come on. Think about it. Grew it to ten. The one who had one, God got mad at him. Called him a worthless, lazy. Why? Because he only had a, he didn't even have a capacity to think about growing. He didn't have, his capacity wouldn't even allow him to put the money in the bank to get interest. His, it was his thinking. And in Luke 19, the same parable, but it's a little different. It says, and he gave each of them 
$500, really, that's what was the equivalent. He gave each of them $500. And so when the king came back, he, he, he said he wanted to find out how did the miners, the money work for them. When you look at the scripture, how the money work for them. <laughs> and so the one who had, one who had what? Uh, I think the one who had five, it, hmm? He doubled, that's right. I mean, I'm just having a memory lapse here. But then the one who made one, he, he what? Buried it in the ground and rebuked him. But it's interesting, God rewarded the person who knew how to make money work for them. And that was their qualification to, to have authority over cities. <laughs> y'all ain't hearing this. Y'all ain't hearing this. Man, y'all hear. Man, I'm sitting up here, man. I don't threw. I don't mess up a lot of Bibles because I when, when God showed me something, I just throw it. I just throw my Bible, man. Just, man, I'm just throwing it because. And, and, and most, of, most of us in here, all we think about is just getting paid. I'm going to get my check Friday. But we never think about how to make it work. I'm going to I'm, how to make it work. That's a whole different What? That's a capacity issue. It's a capacity issue. And the reason why the Lord is speaking, because I want to bless Metro. I want to bless every member of Metro. I want to, I, I want to, I want to blow your I, 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 I want to cause you to draw in every direction. I want to multiply your efforts, your tithing, your offering, your fasting, your praying over the years is a memorial before me. I want to bless you, but you must enlarge your capacity. So, and it's interesting, at the end of each of those verses, it says, those who have much will receive more. And they, I used, this used to bother me. Those who have much will receive more, and those who have more than they need. But as for those who don't have much, even the little bit they have will be taken away from them. Why would God take from those who have so little and give it to those who already have so much? Because those who have less have a decreased capacity because they can't take no more. If you give them more, they're going to lose it. Lord have mercy. But those who have more, they've already demonstrated they have a large enough capacity. That's what happens even with the lottery. So many people win the lottery, but, but, but they lose it within two to three years because although they have, may have more money, they have more, more, than, more money than the capacity they have to manage it. So let's close. In this first fruit season, we must build, we must build our capacity for the answer. Because God is about answering our prayers. First of all, you need to decide what your niche is. You need to decide. See, Metro Church has a niche. As a local church, God has gifted us. And so what's happening in June, God, uh, the Lord through Bishop Johnson is going to resurrect PMAC. It's going, to be the re, it's going to be the remix version. Why? 
because that's part of our what? Niche. That's part of our what? DNA. And, and some of you, 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 you got to get into your what? Niche. You got to find your niche. And the way you can, and, and so once you find your niche, you, you have to increase your competency in your niche. And, and, and so, the, the, and, and normally, the niche that you belong to, you have a genius level potential in, meaning that things come natural to you when you operate in that area. It may be cooking, man. If it's cooking, guess what? Things come natural to you. It comes natural. If it's sewing, things come natural to you. If it's business, things come natural. That's your niche. Another way you increase your capacity is increasing the resources. What do I need to produce the product, the plans, the goals, and systems? The next thing you have to do, you have to locate your character flaws. Do you have a problem working with people? Do you have a distant relationship from the Lord? Do you depend on your flesh? Do you lie? Do you steal? Are you dishonest? Do you have addictions? Because when you have addictions, I'm going to tell you something. You're going to use up all the money that your business is making. Next, you, you increase your, your capacity by increasing your connections in the arena of your gifting. And lastly, what you have to do, man, you have to let God heal your heart. The Bible states, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Your self-image is how you see yourself, how you value yourself, how you feel about yourself, and your perception of how God sees you. I want to say to you, we live our lives based on what we think we are. You will never rise above the level of what you believe about God and what you believe in your heart about you. See, if you have a diminished view of how God sees you and you have a diminished view of yourself and yet you have gifting, guess what? Your, your view of yourself and your view of God is determining your capacity. And sometimes when God wants to increase your capacity, it hurts because he begins to stretch you. It's just like when I had the knee replacement. Oh my God. They said, Mr. Crawford, we, the, the first day of surgery, Mr. Crawford, we want you to get up and walk. You want what? <laughs> so you get up and man, I'm walking, man. I'm walking, I, half crazy with anesthesia. Man, but they understood I had the ability but my thinking would not allow me to believe that I could walk. So they took me by the hand, Mr. Crawford, walk. Took a step. I never forget, man, I, I hated that woman. I hated her with everything inside of my heart. I, she, and she said, okay, Mr. Crawford, bend your knee. Oh, okay, let me help you. Let me help you. Oh, and, and guess what? Because they say, we know you can do it, but you, you, your capacity in your mind won't let you do it. So we're going to help you. And I never forget the day. I was in therapy, man, and the lady came up to me, and she said, she, the other nurse said, the other uh, re, uh, rehabilitation therapist said, uh, do you need some help? 
And she said, yeah, because I think Mr. Crawford can bend it more. And this woman was about three times the size of this other lady. And, and they both got there, man. Man, it was like a full bike, man. And she got up there, man, and she began to push that knee. She began to push that knee. Oh, my God, I thought I was going to, oh, God. I said, y'all killing me, y'all killing me, y'all Oh, my God. And sometimes it's that way when God increases your capacity. It's hard. But you're so happy about the results. Let's stand.